Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 13 and today we're interviewing Nicola Howard and Nicola was recommended to us to interview because she is quite high profile in the in the UK low carb scene. So Louise, do you want to tell us a bit about Nicola? Sure. Nicola says that she started to gain weight when she entered puberty and she put this down to good food, too much ice cream and a decreasing desire to exercise. So in 1999, when she was aged 29, she was weighing 19 stone, 2 pounds. And I think in metric, that ended up being 100. like 120... 22, was it? 24 kilos. 100, 124 kilos. Or an Evans size 26. So she was really quite concerned about the arthritis that she was experiencing in her right knee, both wrists and left shoulder. Having lost 3.5 stone with some low-fat diets... But inevitably, like we all do, we gain that back plus the extra four stones. What she understands now is that hypoglycemic person with periods of feeling hungry and ratty on those low-fat attempts were increasingly becoming wearing on her. She would reach out for the raisins as a fast sugar fix, which became her saviour food. What we know now as a typical high and crash insulin reaction. And it was through a work colleague that introduced her to the Dr. Atkins New Diet Revolution book, which he had previously used to lose weight, that started on her journey. And it was the principles of low-carb eating that changed her life. She discovered a freedom from hunger, and as a confirmed carnivore, low-carb is her way of eating and where she can actually eat the foods that she loves. She believes that there is no sense of deprivation as you can still eat curry, Chinese and steak and obviously with some preparation, ice cream and biscuits, but you just find that life is better without the sugar and starch. So Jackie, as we'll hear, her journey hasn't always been smooth sailing. There have been obstacles that she's endured and interrupted her low-carb living. This is including prolonged stalls managing various health issues and side effects of some medical treatments. But she found her way back and she is now coaching. She now works with clients who struggle with being overweight, tired, and who may feel that they suffer with shame, guilt and anxiety. So she helps them to get some space, clarity and reclaim their health. She seeks to free people from diet prison and wishes for the UK to stop eating itself sick by being able to disrupt the diet industry paradigm and moving people away from the shame and guilt that comes with the sense of being a victim associated with food and their bodies. Hmm. 
Since we recorded the interview with Nicola, quite a while has gone by. And even since Louise and I did the intro to Nicola's interview, still a few months have gone by. So since then, Nicola has received two awards. She has won an award for the Most Inspirational Nutritional Coach and Mentor for London. And she's also received an award, the 2020 Fitness and Nutrition Best Women's Weight Loss Coach for the southeast of England. So congratulations, Nicola. Winning one award is great. Winning two is fantastic. So well done. So Jackie, let's roll the tape. Welcome, Nicola, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with me today. It's absolutely amazing to join you. I'm very excited for our conversation. (laughs) Um, So we've met on the uh, Keto UK, uh, well, it's not a Facebook group, it's a WhatsApp WhatsApp group, group. really, isn't it? Yeah. And some of the other members recommended you to come on the podcast and talk to me. So can you start by telling us where in the world you are and how you found out about low carb in the beginning? Sure. Um, I'm in London, the UK. I started my low carb journey in 1999 when a colleague at work gave me a copy of Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. And I read that, it made complete sense, and I haven't looked back. I have had some interesting diversions from it, um, but mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things that my brain loves is to work out how I am a very logic-based person. So... I started my journey to start to serve the world in this back in about 2000 when I realised that the chapter five of the book where they talk to you about net carbs and subtracting fibre is completely irrelevant and wrong for the UK market because we have completely different um, labelling laws and and Virilian, 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 whoever it was that that published the book in the UK didn't edit the chapter for our laws. So Mm. I I was walking into Holland and Barrett, I picked up my packet of Scandinavian bran crisps and did the calculation and ended up with minus three and a half carbs. And it's like, that cannot be right. And that's when I started to dig into, well, if this isn't right, what's going on? Oh, okay, we have a different set of labelling laws. I can't be the only person that's asked this question. So I start, I did a website. I'm, I'm a complete tech geek. Um, I, my previous career before this is IT for 30 years. Yep. And so I made a website that, that started to give UK-based information about low-carbohydrate dieting. I started a Yahoo mailing list back in 2000, which we then, by consent of the membership group, pulled over to Facebook in 2014. And it's now on eleven and a half thousand people over there, which is Excellent. amazing to me. I and I and in terms of my my journey, I got I I ignored helping the world for quite a long time because I was too busy doing other stuff and getting distracted. And it, it became very obvious in about twenty fifteen that this is where my focus should be. So I got myself together, started serving more. Have written three books about my my thoughts observations and how i believe doing low carb uk style how to do low carb uk style is the name of my third book is all about my desire to disrupt the diet industry paradigm Mm. i i believe that where we currently are with society is what i call diet prison all the measuring all the weighing all the guilt all the shame all the being taught to be a victim to food so my my i believe that my purpose is to free us from diet prison so my, yeah. my, my methodology is very much built around what the nutrition of a food is, not how it makes you feel. Yes. Yeah. 
and today i mean we've got our food industry which have come across from the um, cigarette industry where they're just feeding us <laughs> things that make us want to eat more and and the wrong foods as well well uh, i believe a lot of that is a a bit of luck a perfect storm and some very very charismatic people having dug, I dug into the history for, for writing the third book which I then didn't put it in the book because it was getting in the way of actually me publishing um yeah. around all of the science that was being done in the sort of the 10s the 20s and the 30s of the last the last century was all around the hormonal theory of of weight reduction and weight gain and yes because that was primarily being done in germany and austria who were at the time the paragon of scientific endeavor in europe it was all being published in german and so because the second world war happened and germany for whatever reason became a bit a bit out of favor um and in english became yes. the predominant language of science all of that research was lost you've, you've then got blessed ansel keys who, although I don't believe is is 100% to blame, didn't help at all with his diet heart lip, um, hypothesis, where yeah. um, he he hypothesised that it was saturated fat that caused all of our ills, and for the last 70 years we still haven't been able to prove that. And part of a part of a hypothesis is if you can't prove it, then you you theoretically change and flex and develop new hypotheses. We because the diet industry is more like a religion than a science in this matter we haven't flexed until really very recently the, the last 20 years or so we're now doing proper science around well yeah let's let's see this is wrong let's go for something else yeah but the mainstream's still not interested because it doesn't make money um, then we make money industries like the pharma and diet industry make money when people are overweight and whilst sick. i 100 percent agree with that i also believe that the, the boat is turning i liken it to a cruise ship cruise ships are huge and they take forever to turn around and when i started back yes. in 1999 the, the boat was happily sailing forwards and it wasn't even thinking about turning around i now think we're about at the tipping point when the daily mail publishes a a diet on low carbing um, but then the next week does a low fat one. <laughs> I, I believe that we're getting there. And also we, you've got the wonderful work of the, the Public Health Commission. The fact that diabetes, the diet for diabetes is now seen as a low carb one, potentially as more optimal than the very low calorie one that they were offering. Yes. I, I definitely think we're at the tipping point. I think the next 20 years yeah. is going to be key. And yeah, you have to think of it in decades. You can't think of it in the works of moments. It's not like that. It, yeah, it definitely won't happen. I'll, 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 yeah. Anytime soon, it will take. I reckon a good ten to twenty years. But who was I listening to? I can't remember. It was quite a while ago, and they said things will change when all the old doctors yes. die. So we've got to wait for all the new, up and coming doctors to come in and gain some stature in their in their profession. Science I guess. progresses one death at a time. I believe is the quote. <laughs> um, and and yeah, it really is because. Somebody, especially going back to Ansel Keys, he was a very bad scientist because he believed his hypothesis was truth and then defended it and defamed people that didn't believe him rather than accepting that the hypothesis wasn't standing up to scrutiny and therefore something else should be evolved from that. And there is at the moment a lot of bad science. Science is the endeavour to prove stuff by observation 
and if you cannot observe it you cannot prove it and, and uh, the way science works is you you actually create experiments to actively disprove your hypothesis as much as you create ones to prove it and we've had 70 years worth of disproving a hypothesis it's in it's mm. about time we let it go yeah there's a lot of attachment oh God, yeah. to it so when you started out on your low carb journey um you said you read dr atkins mm-hmm. book did you do the atkins diet or were you so did you do the induction phase I, and then I completely it did. Um, I, I have what's called um, high compliance in my pro, in my personality. I'm, I'm definitely there is a right way. <laughs> so I followed it, although I actually broke the first two weeks because I ate nuts. And it, it, that was breakfast, lunch, um, breakfast for at least a year and a half was a packet of pecan nuts because that was what fitted with my life. And. I, but yeah, I followed induction for two weeks. I did the increasing my carbohydrate thing. I think I found out I was about 35. Um, but then con- subsequent research I've done anecdotally, not not um, hard proper science, I believe that the phenomena of the third week stall gets in the way of the starting to find your CCLW. And because people start to increase in the third week go to 25 gram just for the listeners tell us what cc oh god it's the thing that that is basically increase your carbs by five weeks until you find your level i can't remember what cclw stands for carb okay i could go and look it up but that would be no it doesn't Doesn't matter matter. It, it, it is the you find your level thing it's the mechanism something continuing carbohydrate level for weight loss something like that And so because in the third week you are advised to increase your carbohydrate thingy by 25 by five grams and that coincides with the body mechanism of you've dumped all your glycogen and you're starting but you haven't quite flipped properly into like mega fat burning mode. The third week yes. story is generally people don't lose any weight. And that, 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 that another rant of mine is I'm here to rid the world of the words weight loss because they're useless. Um, but because in the yeah. third week, your body is not up for ditching any more pounds until sort of week four or five or six, people then go, well, I must stop at 25 or even 20 because I'm not losing any weight, which you won't because of that yes. phenomenon. And so people then stay on induction for ages and then they run into trouble later when they have a really, 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 really long stall and and they've got nowhere to go from 20 grams. Yeah, I'm much more advocating starting around 50 and then playing from there. And if you have to go lower and you have to end up at 20, that's great. But some people can actually go a lot higher than 50 grams and still successfully ditch fat with no problems at all because... That, that their body doesn't have as me- much metabolic damage. Myself, I have to go right down to probably pretty much zero. I, I have, I, and we can probably talk about that in a bit. My, my journey towards carnivorism this year, which has been entertaining and fun, and where I've I've yeah I I've discovered that. that my my particular body, my level of insulin resistance, my, the fact that I have polycystic ovaries means I have a higher level of insulin resistance than the general population i suspect anyway so i've had to go right down if if i if i want to to stand any chance of ditching the fat i've got to go really really low yeah so i was going to ask you how is your diet or way of eating i don't like the word diet how is your way of eating different now to what it was when you started atkins in 99 (laughs) 
There's a oh, lot. There's a lot of oh, years in between. A load so. of years. When I started, I definitely came at it from this is another diet. I will do it to lose weight, and I'm going to use all the substitutes I can think of. I'm quite inventive in the kitchen, so I created what I believe is the best um, loaf of bread ever. It is very. I could say Keto King, which is the current popular one from YouTube. If you read his recipe and you read my recipe that I created 14 years before he did, it's very similar because you need gluten. To make proper bread, you need gluten and there is no two ways around it. So mine, mine basically the gluten is bound together with nuts and oats. Um, his is, is oat fibre and some nuts and gluten and it's, it's really, really similar. And because I don't believe I ditched the mentality of bread is a treat, um, sugar is food, or sugar is love, and all the other things that society gives us as messaging around carbohydrates. In mm -hmm. 2003, when I had um, a medical intervention for what was diagnosed as endometriosis at that point, the, me the medication sent me batshit crazy, there is no other way to put it, and I started self-medicating with sugar again. <laughs> and I ate all the sugar and all the potatoes yeah. and felt better initially because it was the only way I could stop the crying oh I, I spent about two months in tears um, because of course I was given a medical yeah. menopause and I'm, I'm 49 now I'm, I'm sort of not looking forward to the crazy happening <laughs> um, I, I've, I've definitely had my days where I can't not cry and, and, and I'm not looking forward to it hitting properly but uh, because I hadn't got the mental capacity I hadn't changed my the way of thinking away from carbohydrate is comfort I believe that was one of the reasons why I then fell off the wagon although I don't now believe that there is a wagon it's simply life and choices I fell off the wagon for seven yes. years and I could not get myself back on it for love nor money I just was not in a place where my my brain would allow me to let go of the crutch that is refined carbohydrate I could not I could not have it done it really hard yeah. to go back or even for me it's not going back it was actually getting off yeah getting off that yeah. and it train. was in 2010 I, kn I knew my body was ready and I knew I was ready in 2010 and that was also about when I started developing my mind started digging more into mindfulness and meditation and then eventually like in, in 2011 2012 started developing the coaching stuff my then employer was changing the way they were doing management more towards what's called hierarchy so everybody is an empowered employee rather than a top-down hierarchy so they they were encouraging a coaching mentality at work and that was when i realized actually yeah i i yeah i i can do i can do coaching i can do this and so in sort of 2015 i decided to start a side business of starting to coach people in low carbohydrate nutrition because hey i'd been doing it at that point for 15 years or 14 years and I had this whole bunch of, of wealth of knowledge in my head because even though, even when I wasn't doing it, I hadn't let go of the tenants of low carbing. I was still not eating various things. I was, I, I was desperately trying to tell myself that I was being lower carb than I could be, even though I know I really wasn't looking back on it now. <laughs> and, and, and I was still digging into the science. I was still um, fascinated with how the body worked. And but I just had other stuff that was going on that just meant I, I wasn't there, if that makes sense. And then yeah. I went and got some proper quote coaching qualifications in um, 2017 
and then I've continued that through having I've literally just completed another certification in how the brain how the mind works and intuitive thinking which is really awesome stuff so I'm definitely well placed to now serve the world whereas before I don't believe I was yeah I've done the work on me so now it's time to throw that out so what does your what does your daily food intake look like or weekly if you um well daily if i if i am at home i'm I'm, i call myself a social omnivore uh, like a social smoker or a social drinker um if i'm with my (laughs) mum or my partner or i'm out and about i will revert to a standard low carb veggies and meat quotes way of eating if i'm on my own my day very much looks like at the moment i'm starting off with a goat's cheese omelette and then later on i'll have some steak or some lamb with butter and, and that's pretty I'm a, I'm a two meal a day person pretty much unless i have a hungry day in which case i just eat a bit more meat yeah. i've gone through phases of scrambled eggs with trout butter and cream cheese in it for breakfast which is i'm never going to get bored of that and then probably mm-hmm. for this is this is where I, I i cheat slightly um i'll have yogurt with like six drops of stevia in it as a something that rounds out so it, it kind of was being very challenging because it's all soft food I desperately miss crunchy. And you, you can do that yeah. with cheese crisps. So you, you get your slices of cheese and you nuke them in the microwave and then you can have cheese crisps, um, which does help. But I, I find I find carnivore amazing for my body, but quite boring for my mind. And so that, that's yeah. been a very, that's been, so for me, it's been a very hard, easy, whatever slope, slippery slope that if I am out and about, I, I, and I, if I want a salad, my, my whole attitude to, to life and choice is if, if I want to eat that, knowing what it does to my body, then I will make that choice. I'm not a victim to food. I control yeah. what I eat. And so if I want a salad, I will have a salad because how, how much harm can a salad do? Um, and But I, yeah, I don't have some of the challenges that other people like. What's her name? Michaela Peterson. I don't have those. I oh, don't yes. have that level of health challenge. Um, I, I, I'm yes, I have polycystic ovaries, but I don't believe that. I don't have the aches. I don't have the pains. I don't have the depression. I don't have bipolar. I don't have the stuff that the oxalates and the, the lectins and the phytates and the goitrogens all affect. I don't have those challenges. Thank, thank the deity of choice. So, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with the choice of the occasional vegetable. But they are, yeah. they are, they aren't every meal for me. In 2017, I was very much bullshitting myself. I believed that I was low carb, and yet I was eating way too for my body too many nuts, too much dark chocolate, and I gained around about a stone in 2017, and I cu- I couldn't figure out why, and it was literally because. I discovered in twenty in twenty nineteen, no twenty eight. Sorry, I lose track of the years. Twenty eighteen was where I gained a stone, and twenty nineteen, because we are still in twenty nineteen, was where I've I've now ditched what three three and a half stone, and wow. that was literally from removing the nuts. I believe in the dark chocolate, although I still eat it because interestingly i've discovered for myself if i'm around the time about to have a period my body craves chocolate because of the magnesium and when i take Mm. magnesium supplementation i don't eat as much chocolate which is an interesting thing to discover because of course we all have our n equals one we are all our own experiment and 
I discovered on day 32 of my carnivore experiment, having eaten nothing plant-based for 31 days, not even pepper, um, I thought, sod it, let's have a cake. Um, and I made a chocolate almond cake, the I Breathe I'm Hungry chocolate brownie recipe, which is really good. And within half an hour, my stomach was distended, painful, tight as a drum. And, oh, okay, so that's why my stomach's been bloated for the last year. That's why I've had a low-level yes. constant gut ache that I was pretty much ignoring for the last year. Because my stomach is sensitive to definitely almonds, but I suspect all nuts. Unfortunately, it's not sensitive yeah. to chocolate, <laughs> so it doesn't. My body doesn't discourage <laughs> me from eating it. Um, although I do know that if I eat too much of it, I definitely feel very sicky. And one of the things that's, that prevents me from eating it is again that body reaction. Listening to my body is paramount. Yeah, yeah, it's really good and and good that cutting it out, you then mm. notice it because I've cut I've cut out everything. I've done carnivore a couple of times. Uh, short periods of time but when I go back to eating I haven't noticed any difference but I would say I would now tend to eat a lot less vegetables and plant-based foods yeah. than I used to same here I, I definitely think I'm I'm all about listening to your body one, one of my main my main things um, in the methodology I teach is listen to your body it doesn't lie to you unlike this little thingy bobby between your ears which lies to you all the time. Your your mind lies, cheats, deceives to get you to stay the way you are, to get you to stay safe, to get you to stay in your known patterns. And of course, going low carbohydrate is, is so unknown, your brain screams at you to stop you doing it. Your body, on the other hand, has no language. All it does is have, sen the way to communicate you is via sensation and via the way it feels. And it doesn't, it doesn't lie, mm. it always tells the truth. So yeah. one of the things that sugar does is because it's literally driving hormonal response to create hunger, your body is telling you it is hungry because the way the yes. sugar works is that that is what it does. It drives the hormonal response, takes the, the, the insulin takes your blood glucose out of your blood, which means you're, you don't have as much, which means then your body wants more. The, and the way to do that, your brain then supplies um, the sugar seeking pattern in our minds that it gets created it then knows well this is the sensation I'm receiving therefore run this pattern and before we know it we're off down the shops eating a Mars bar and that's all yeah. unconscious so one of the things I am definitely very pro is it is not your fault it is not your fault that you ended up in the body you're in but it is your responsibility to change I that totally agree. Um, because yeah. the way the mind works is with that sort of stuff is at until you realize it is at a totally unconscious level and we spend so much time beating ourselves up about being weak and having no willpower when all it is is your mind delivering you the past pattern that worked and you you do it because that's the way you work until yeah and the and the and the hormonal yeah, response yeah because of what yeah. you're used to doing and, and so one of the, the big i believe that the work i do is more about changing your mind than changing your food changing the plate is the easy part what goes on the plate you can do that not a problem at all changing the attitude we have to what's on the plate that's the hard part and a lot of the work i do yeah. is about um, basically allowing us to see um our unconscious patterns because once you make them conscious you can then choose to not run it you can catch yourself and go, mm. oh, yeah, I'm doing that thing. 
let's do this thing instead. And you're not going to do it all the time. We're human. We're not perfect. But the more we catch ourselves, the more we change ourselves. Yeah. And it's just yeah. noticing, isn't it? Noticing, noticing when you're doing something and noticing the thoughts that go on with mm-hmm. it as well. And sometimes it's it's just in that noticing that you you can stop and say, okay, what's yeah. going on here? What what could I do differently, or what do I want to do? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I noticed yesterday, for example, I I've just started bringing in more frequent um, longer mm-hmm. fasts, usually around thirty six to forty hours, something like that. And I noticed yesterday when I was on a fast that. I was really hungry mm-hmm. all day and I was wanting to eat. Now I could have given in to that and said, and I nearly did several times by saying, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll fast another day. But actually it was, no, I'm not eating today and the hunger isn't going to kill me. It will pass. I can get through this. Um, the fact that I want to chew something or eat something, I can manage without that. And so I just kept pushing it away and pushing it away and thinking, what can I do now to take my mind Mm -hmm. off of it? And once I'd gone to Taekwondo last night for two hours, I get home, it's now bedtime, go to sleep, I wake up this morning and now I've done well well over 36 Mm -hmm. hours um, and I probably won't eat till one o'clock this Mm -hmm. afternoon. But it's, it's that choosing, I could have given in to that thought of, oh, I could just eat today and fast another day, but... No, Tuesdays is my fasting day, so I'm going to fast. And and also one of the things Mm. about that is because ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, is programmable. That's why when you choose to do an extended like five to seven day fast, the first three are always the hardest because essentially you're, you're reprogramming ghrelin to react less than it did the day before. So so it goes in, comes and goes in waves and um, you can program your body to eat to your schedule rather than eat to its schedule which I find fascinating so that you one of the one of the reasons we get hungry when we're not hungry if that makes sense is because ghrelin has triggered at lunchtime because ghrelin has triggered at breakfast time because ghrelin has triggered at dinner time and by gently I, I'm I'm all for fasting but I'm not for going, going gung-ho I'm definitely about pushing your own window reprogramming your ghrelin so that you have the advantage to allow you to do it without as much quote pain as you could do if you if you just went yeah. from three meals a day to I'm not going to eat for two days that's just pain because you are constantly constantly oh, no, thinking no. about food because ghrelin is going hello pay attention to me um so so <laughs> i'm definitely if because i i intermittently fast every day i probably but i don't have like the 68 window my window's probably a 14 10 window mm-hmm. i definitely don't eat until after midday usually because i'm just not hungry in the mornings but if i am i'll eat something at sort of half 10 11 o'clock because that's what my body's asked me for and, and i'm very respectful of that yeah. Um, I find a 24 hour fast these days quite easy, especially because I'm I, I, when I was at work, I've, been, I've only been a month of doing this full full time. So when I was at work, I would definitely eat at midday and then I would probably eat around 6 p.m. And then not and then maybe have some yogurt when I got home or not, depending on whether I felt hungry or not. Whereas at the weekend, yeah. it was really, really easy to not eat until four in the afternoon because I was just not in my yes. usual routine. Um, so 
Yeah, yeah. doing things. So it it was. I you found it. I didn't think about it. about it. Yeah, it was. It was very very easy to just have a twenty four hour fast thrown in probably twice a month, and I haven't yet done a thirty six. Not. I, I did one while I was away on a mindset retreat in at the end of twenty eighteen. But even then, I had what three swallows of coconut oil oil during that that fasted period. Mm which was like way less than I would usually, but technically it wasn't a fast because it was probably more than 50 calories a, a shot. But because it was coconut oil, yes. it was just perpetuating the ketones that was going around in my blood rather than putting in glucose. So I'm, I'm yeah. happy with that. Do you measure your ketones at all? Or no. do you just know that you've not I, eaten, you're eating enough fat and not enough I carbs? personally don't measure. Um, I believe that blood measurement is the only one worth looking at. Because pea sticks, especially once you've become keto adapted and you're, you're, you're basically you're not wasting ketones because when you're peeing them out, you're wasting them. I'd rather use them all because being efficient and all that. But I also don't because I don't have cancer, epilepsy or anything that requires me to be medically ketogenic. I'm not bothered. How do you think the way of eating, the, the way of life that we have is different for those over 40 to those say under 40 if somebody was starting out now being over 40 what differences man or woman because the questions actually a different answer yeah we'll go with both i mean obviously women have more hormone hormonal issues but i I will dig much more into one because of course i am female bodied therefore that is where my research has led me i haven't done much research into the male body so we'll go go for that second so once you hit um 40 we unfortunately have some inevitabilities of metabolic slowdown you you can slow down your slowdown and there are some supplements that i take although i haven't taken them for a while because of being carnivore i found i didn't need them i i definitely found that taking berberine quercetin and gynostemma helped me with some of the sort of the metabolic rev up it, it those three substances control your metabolic master switch so as you sort of think of it you know those the, the, those big handles where the, you pull it from the top pull it down to the bottom to turn yep. it on well well I, I like to think of the metabolic master switch as that and it's gently sort of falling towards the off position um the on being at the top it's gently falling down under gravity to the off position and what those three sub those three supplements do is basically keep it in the on position there's definitely some stuff as the progesterone estrogen balance shifts as we progress towards perimenopause that then affect the way our body's fat distribution works mm. because as the ovaries ramp down estrogen production our fat cells which also produce estrogen start to have to pick up the load and so the body protectively picks up a bit more fat because it wants to maintain the level of estrogen mm-hmm. our body is amazing it does everything it can to keep us alive and, and going at the way it can be but unfortunately because of also the impact of other bits and pieces we start to pick up more visceral fat than the the, the stuff on our hips and mm-hmm. thighs which of course is just it just looks un- aesthetically unpleasing but he's completely metabolically harmless so we, we start to pick up a little bit more um, the middle-aged middle, as, the Dan, as Mary Dan Eads yeah. calls it. And it's, it's not an inevitability that we are stuck with it, but if we don't know how to handle it, it becomes a very big issue. 
and there are definitely things you can do um, lucian lutetin even is a, an amino acid that helps us to stave off the middle-aged middle and there's a various other bits and pieces that you can do to allow the body to let go of fat but because of it, it, it it's a protective thing it's allowing us to produce more estrogen by gaining a bit mm. of weight it's an it's an annoying and unfortunate side effect of of getting a little bit older when you're a woman and those of course you, you still you have as a man you have that same impact because you your testosterone ramps down which allows the estrogen and progesterone which which your body the body the male body still produces to become a little bit more dominant yes. that then is what then promotes the middle age middle for men because that where they are ramping down their testosterone that means that the the, the tummy area becomes more lipophilic and again, by by various supplementations, not I've not looked into the male supplementations, um, but also in getting your doctor to allow you to have testosterone replacement. I've heard great things around keeping your testosterone high allows you to basically stave yeah. that off. But it's not it's not an area that I've delved into because I don't have a male body, so it's not been where I've been at. So in terms of people wanting to reduce their weight, it that's part of the reason why it's a bit harder when you're over 40 if you're starting out over 40 than if you're beforehand yeah it, it's never impossible but yeah there are definitely some things because the body is trying to protect itself from aging there are definitely things that you have to work with it to allow yourself to become slender and optimal and i believe those things are like resistance training i i, I think cardio has a place but it shouldn't be your main option things like yoga pilates lifting heavy things lots of walking and whilst I don't believe that exercise is the answer to weight loss, because it's not, exercise is the answer to a healthy yes, body. Yes, and being able to do things as you get get older. Yeah, lose it or use it. L- the other way around. <laughs> lose it or use it. Yeah. Use that. it or lose it, yeah. Yeah. So you've lost quite a bit of weight over the years, and albeit put some back <laughs> on and then lost it again. Yeah. So overall, from when you were at your heaviest to, say, when you were at your lightest... Or, or maybe what you are now. How much have you? Four stone. Excellent. Yeah, me too. So I when when I first started in 1999, I was 19 stone two pounds. Yeah. I am currently 15 stone 12 pounds. Excellent. I've I've still got a way to go. I'm also quite resigned to I might never get to 11 11 and a half, which is where I think my body will be about right. 11 and a half, 12, somewhere around yeah. there. Because I, I'm much more, I'm, I'm much more focused on my waist being half of my height, and at the moment I'm about six inches off that. Excellent. Um, because because I'm not at all scale focused. I'm much more tape measure focused. But in terms of the the, the hormonal profile I've got stacked against me, I love my body the way it is. Yes, it can be more optimal. Yes, it can be slimmer. But it's an amazing organic machine that is a miracle and how the how the hell dare i not love it yeah so what benefits have you noticed from when you were at your highest to now less brain fog i i still have days um where i call them a wet sock day when it feels like i've got a wet sock over my eyes and i can't think um but they are now few and far between and usually if i've eaten something that is a bit non-optimal and yeah i can i can say yeah i ate that therefore i've got this I ache less. I have in 2012. I managed to slip a disc in my back, the most common back injury, L5 S1, straight yeah. out. 
and so I carry a lot of day-to-day -day pain and that I believe is a lot less than it would be if I ate wholesale carbs. Yeah. Having had the experiment of 2003 to 2010 where I just ate stuff versus 2000 and also 1999 to 2003 and then 2010 to now, I know that I, I just feel more healthy, more vital. I can think at a better level. I can move more easily. I am not... I was never one to let my body get in the way of me doing anything mm. at all. But it's definitely easier. And, and literally, I think the benefits I've got are all about being able to be... Living a life of grace and ease is easier when your body's smaller. Yes. And that, that is that is all the things around um, better skin, blood pressure, reduction. Because I, I am, I fully, fully admit, I am on um, blood pressure meds. Have been since, I think, 2010 or so, just when I restarted. Yeah. Um, in fact, no, it's got to be a bit later than that. And it's only been this year that I've managed to half my medication because of going Excellent. carnival. There was obviously yeah. something in that something in that plants that was keeping it keeping Aye. it up at the higher end, even with medication. Whereas I got myself done the other day at the docs when I went to get my meds reviewed again, and um, you know, one hundred and fourteen over seventy, whatever it was at that day. That's it's really like, interesting. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Because of course, carbohydrates stimulates blood pressure. Especially the system, the one on the top. The top number is what carbohydrate yeah. drives. Systolic. Systolic, yeah. Yeah. Systolic's the top, diastolic's yeah. the bottom. Um, so I, I definitely believe that um, I've, I've got the benefit there. I My my HbA1c, because they tested that January, February this time, time this year, rock solid. I think I was 39, 40-odd. So I'm possibly a little bit higher than you might want to be but I'm definitely normal I'm not diabetic I believe that I would be diabetic if I'd have carried yeah. on eating the way I was eating because of my polycystic ovaries because I am apple shaped I don't have any problems with my heart my heart is as solid as anything having done the the ECG a little while ago um, my cholesterol number I think I'm 5.4 on my ratio is 2.7 I it's it's amazing excellent um, so, so for me, that the markers, apart from that sort of the medicated BP stuff, and my aim is to get off the BP meds totally. So I want to be getting off of the meds. I wanted to get off by the end of this year, but I suspect that will happen as a conversation with the doctor, sort of February, March, which is when my med review is mm -hmm. anyway. And then I would hope to persuade him, although of course it is med medication by consent. Um, I want to do sort of six months with no meds at all and then see what yes. happens. And then, of course, do my own blood pressure measurement at home. And if it does go back up, then I'll just go back on meds. Let, I, whilst I am a great believer in the body can heal it, I'm also a believer in better living through chemistry. If we need the meds, then we should take the meds. If we don't need the meds, we don't yes. need the meds. Similar but you've less. got to give it some and, time to to try it out and see if your body can bring, yeah. it, bring it back down by itself. Yeah, yeah. I, and I believe the way I'm going is a way that my blood pressure should be stable without the medication. Yeah, excellent. So you've obviously, you, you're a coach now, so you've obviously been helping other people achieve some of the benefits that you have. How, mm -hmm. how is that? Is that very, I know, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How <laughs> is that very fulfilling? Oh God, it's amazing. So Nicola, what have been some of the challenges of 
this lifestyle that you've encountered? Because I, I guess it's not all easy sailing. And how have you managed those? I think the challenges have been more societal than physical, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, st- and also structural, you could call it. Because, especially when I started, there was a massive push. My mum, my God, you eat so much cream. Do you really think that's healthy? Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. My mum my now says, you know, I think you were right, Nicola. Which I, <laughs> I, I, I love and I think is great. Um, it's always a I'm nice right. feeling. I'm always right. Yes. And, and given that I am, I have a, I am always right in my, in my in my deep in my my psyche um that deeply pleases me <laughs> um but but in terms of challenge it is more about um ease of shopping because we are trained to eat every, every meal has to have carbohydrate with it so some of the challenge is ditching those thoughts yes some of them is about the grab and go stuff it's very easy to grab a sandwich grab a brisket grabber whatever all of the snack food in society is a carbohydrate based food yeah that's and and so so the challenges around a changing what you view as a snack although as you as you get further and further along the path you have less and less need to snack um because snacks i think i always think the clue is in the name snack food it's an invention same as breakfast food is an invention of marketers it's not an in, it's not something a body requires no naturally um, we don't need breakfast we we don't get hungry in the morning yeah. in nature yeah and, and breakfast food is all about the things that marketers have told us to eat yes um, cereal toast egg uh, cereal toast that the only protein you can have with breakfast is eggs what's that all about eggs and bacon Dessert for breakfast is the current thing that is just, oh my God, that's so, no, so so non-optimal. And again, snacks is all about elevating blood sugar by giving us a sort of a high and crash response to the, the, the snack, the biscuit, the cake, the whatever, the sweet that we have been trained to eat as a snack. So, so the challenges are all around that structure. Yeah. And when you go and look at food to buy in the shops, especially if your lifestyle, when your lifestyle is more about grab and go than being able to have the time to cook a dinner, that presents challenges in itself because again, the ready meal culture, which has allowed us to live the lives we live, allowed us to be so bloody busy. Most of them have what I call non-optimal ingredients. They have sugar, they have wheat, they have seed oils in them, which just leaves the body not optimal. It leaves it not healthy and but not everybody has the time to cook from scratch and so i I, i'm applauding i've always loved marks and spencers yes i am biased because it's my local supermarket i unfortunately live my only choice of supermarket is m&s easily yes but i applaud them because they've taken out trans fats they they source their food responsibly all of their crumb is naturally gluten-free so so they 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 do a lot of things that are sort of what i call sotto voce i suppose they do a lot of things to remove the non-optimals from their foods, um, yeah. their prepared stuff, and they they naturally have a higher standard of quality anyway. Mm. Other supermarkets follow that, and I, I, I read yesterday, although I've been told by someone else it's not quite true, that Waitrose is now pledged to source only UK meat, which given, Good. I believe, that, I think it's lamb, UK lamb only, and given that we grow, we rear our lamb on hillsides eating grass which is the yep. way it should be um yes. for, the, for their health as well as our health i i 100 applaud that what i call eating local 
so flying our food in from all over the planet is bad for the planet quite frankly yeah and factory farming is also bad for our planet because it destroys our topsoil and it and it destroys the health of the animals that we're then consuming which destroys us so so i i applaud their thing i I then got told by someone else that the co-op had been doing it for about six months previous to that so again kudos to co-op because they're doing what i believe is the right thing for the planet Mm -hmm. so it, it can be very difficult to cook from scratch especially if you're the type of person that wants variety in your food i i count, yes. count myself quite lucky in the fact that i can eat the same thing over and 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 not get that bored but i know yes. i know carnival for me has been a challenge because i always thought that i'd never get bored of of, of steak and cream and broccoli and having taken the broccoli away it's like oh this is this is quite same and it's that it's a te- yeah. it's, it is a texture thing, and we've been socialised to expect texture, whereas I suspect a more natural diet for a human animal is something that is quite soft, and so that so that's a structural challenge. Yeah, good. Have you had any aha moments since you've started? <laughs> um, I've had many. I think so many. I've forgotten most of them. I think the biggest aha moment for me was definitely when I realised that getting my mind in a line with what I wanted was the way I would have long-term success. Yeah. Um, when I first came at this, it was very much on the attitude, as I mentioned already, about it's, it's just another diet and eventually I will stop. And the aha moment is, well, no, actually, it's not. It is, this is a healthy way of eating for the rest of my life. And I have to change the way I view things. Bread for me. I now view bread as the vehicle that you use to get tasty food into your mouth without getting your fingers dirty. Yeah. And a fork does that just as well. <laughs> um, I admit that is what you might call a professional, uh, an uber level of thinking. But but the aha of just being able to change the way I think, I think for me is the biggest one. That, that, that aha around, yeah, I feel better. Why would I choose to not feel better? Why would Why would I choose to... Uh, in fact, another ha-ha really recently with working with clients, actually, that the sugar isn't the love. It was people giving me their love in the way they'd been trained by their people to give their, give love to someone else. Mm. So it, it, the sugar isn't the love itself. It's what how, why you received it, why you were given it. And it's hanging on to that feeling rather than the sugar itself is a big is a big key. Yes. Yeah. And because we use it in everything, any type of love giving, chocolates, mm-hmm. even wine, cake, we celebrate with cake all the time. Give me some uh, sugar. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, li- literally, that the word for a kiss, give me some sugar. <laughs> and I know a very London phrase, if something is good, you say, sweet. Oh, yeah, my kids are into that. Oh, yeah. And I, I do it. And it's I I acknowledge that that's possibly not the best thing to go on in my mind. No, it's it's what I've got a deep pattern over it. It is the way I express express something is really really fantastic. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) No, I don't do that actually. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. And you're programming your mind all the time for sweetness. Uh huh. Interesting. Always. This this sort of stuff, it, it the way the mind works fascinates me, and so I've I've used um, what I've discovered about the way the mind works to then assist people to change their diet, because 
as I say, if you don't get your mind aligned, you you just will never succeed. We will always mm -hmm. fall back into old patterns and then we will always build ourselves up over it because that's also a pattern. Yeah. I have found it is easier to stay on on plan, I should say, <laughs> once you've got that carb addiction and sugar addiction out of your system it does become easier mm. it's not easy all the time but it is easier when you can not have to worry about it I guess I don't know I think there is the sugar and the carbs definitely affect your mental attitude mm -hmm. I think well, my mental attitude has changed completely oh yeah well there, there's lovely science coming out now about how depression is related to inflammation and of course, inflammation is driven by our refined carbohydrate diet. And once you take away the stuff that causes the inflammation, most people's depression improves. I'm not going to say resolves because for some people it doesn't, but it definitely improves. Yeah. Or 99.9% .9 of the people that try. You've also got the, the brain chemistry thing of glutamate versus GABA. So GABA is the thing that calms down our brain and glutamate is the thing that excites it. And glutamate, of course, is encouraged in the brain by a high carbohydrate diet. So once you take away the thing that drives a glutamate production, your brain can then start to use the GABA that it, that it naturally produces. And of course, protein also pr promotes GABA production. You naturally get more calm. Mm, yeah. So that's one of the things I think with autism, whilst on, on, on person with autism, an autistic person, their brain is wired the way it is. And, and I respect that fully. And I think that we've evolved autism as a as a thing in our dna because we need people like that we need the risk takers and the, and the people that are that way wired to enhance society but all the glutamate that is produced by the high carb diet excites the autistic brain wiring to a point where they can't deal with it so by mm. removing removing that carbohydrate it allows that particularly wonderful set of wiring to to get its hit of gaba and start to shine yeah interesting yeah good so before i ask you the last couple of questions i ask all my guests <laughs> do you want to tell people how they can contact you where they can find you oh i'm i'm all over the internet as i mentioned i've been in technology 30 years so i've got all the things um i have of course an email um and our website which is lowcarbinthe.uk so um, my, my email is hello at lowcarbinthe.uk I also have Facebook, Low Carb in the UK, Twitter, Low Carb in the UK, Pinterest, Low Carb in the UK, Instagram, Low Carb in the UK. So I'm, I'm, I'm on all the social media. I also have a fantastic Facebook group called Low Carb in the UK. Funny that. <laughs> and that's, as I say, there's 11,500 people in there now, all wonderfully non-judgmental, all wonderfully supportive. And that's where I hang out to start spreading my messages around basically self-love, which is what it all is at the end of the day yeah absolutely great so looking back on your keto journey what if anything would you do differently i wouldn't have had the zolodex injection in 2003 that sent me back sheer crazy yeah. i i've sort of the hindsight I've, I've, I've discovered that that is like the, the treatment of choice for that particular diagnosis i regret at that point not having done my own research because i i may well have a very different life but i've got the life i've got and that's what that's what it is I don't think I would change anything, but I would wish that my path had been slightly shorter and not quite as derailed in the middle as it was. Yeah, cool. And 
what three tips would you give to someone starting a low carb or ketogenic way of eating? Only three, only three. I think those are actually my three tenants. So my three tenants are eat when you are hungry, eat food when you are hungry. Don't, if you are not hungry, don't eat or stop eating, which does include if you are halfway through a meal and you are satisfied, then put the rest of it in the fridge and make each mouthful as optimal as you can, given the circumstances you find yourself in. Sometimes the only choices we have are non-optimal ones. Mm. Take it, move on, live your life. Never beat yourself up for making a non-optimal choice because quite frankly, we're human and we're gonna make them. So just put it down to experience, figure out why you made the choice, have a glass of water, move on. Yeah, really good. So Nicola, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been a really interesting conversation. Mm, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Jackie, wasn't that just such a journey? And so so inspiring that, you know, Nicola has found her way back after, I suppose, a period of time, you know, interrupted rightly so while she was having the medical treatment. Yeah. And we, we know how difficult it is once you stop to get back on plan on any way of eating so yeah she's done really well and it's a real testament i suppose to her character and her strength her fortitude and her resilience you know that she was able to find her way back so and i think you know when you're sort of saying about being able to get back on track and get back on plan what's really important is that we don't actually judge you know that we don't necessarily prescribe a good or a bad label to our behaviors or our choices mm. It is, it is really important to understand, you know, the, what those perhaps those emotional, as you, you know, always say about your head hunger and to discern what is a head hunger, an emotional eating event, as you said about um, Dr. Robert Sires, was it? Uh, Sires, yeah. Emotional yeah. event. That what is, what is this emotional event that has led us to make this particular choice and to understand that, well, certainly in, in Nicola's case, obviously she was having the medical treatment and that impacted on on a whole raft of her um, her daily living but that one event you know are we tired are we stressed you know what's has our sleep been affected can be lots of that that goes lots of influences are going to decide how we not decide because it doesn't decide but it's going to influence how we choose to respond and sometimes our our Mm. guard is down you know, we, we just feel like we can't mm. do it or we don't do it. But, you know, I don't think this way of eating has to be perfect. We just have to make the best choices we can as much of the time as we can. And if we're doing it 80 or 90 percent, and you know, I aim for 99 percent. But even then, I don't do that. If I'm happy, I'm happy with 90 percent. So we just have to, you know, set our standards a bit higher and do it. And if we don't, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Hmm. I'm, I'm with you. If I can do ninety percent, ninety percent of the time, then I'm, I'm doing okay. So, but I certainly know that when I'm tired and I'm stressed. So if I'm working too much and I'm not sleeping, sleeping the best, then that will obviously raise my cortisol levels, and that will impact on my hunger, and obviously being fatigued will impact on my, my decisions my cravings and wanting to obviously have that emotional event that snacking will come into um, come into my decision alcohol certainly is another factor 
And, you know, at the time when I'm sort of in a social situation, alcohol will inhibit, obviously, you know, decision-making, impaired decision-making and make you loosen inhibitions. That's yeah, more so as well. Definitely. So, yeah, making those choices. Yeah. And I think the thing is just don't beat yourself up. You just – you've done it. It's done. It. It's not – this. Mm. I think it's a diet mentality. When you're on a diet and you feel that you have to keep to it, and part of the having to keep to it for many diets is because if you don't, you're going to go back to the way you were eating, which is so much nicer. But when this way of eating, we're eating such lovely foods that it doesn't it it doesn't feel like you're being oppressed or deprived. Therefore, it's much easier. I think it's much easier to get back on track. Mm. And as Nicola described it, it's you know a freedom from the diet prison. So you know you liberate yourself with obviously those choices and of delicious foods. So tasty, tasty foods, and yeah, and not prescribing those judgmental labels of being bad, and yeah, yeah. all good. So. Where can we find the show notes for Nicola's episode? So the show notes are at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero one three. Great. Hey, Jackie. You know, when you were starting out with keto, you probably had loads of questions. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Don't you wish you just had someone who was able to give you just the simple answers to all those questions about macro? electrolytes reading nutrition labels and sweeteners absolutely yeah well we want to have an episode where you dear listener can ama which stands for ask me anything you'll be able to ask us anything using a fabulously keto webpage where there is a contact form and you could submit your questions which we will answer on these episodes the contact page is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash ama Whether you're just starting out or experienced in your journey, we will happily answer your questions. You don't have to be new to keto, so if you're further along in your journey and have questions on being stuck on a plateau or a stall, then feel free to submit your questions as well. Just head over to www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Follow us on social media. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, fabulouslyketo1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know that you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. 
Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm-hmm.